Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. Happy to be over my cold. Thank you very much. Uh, got quite a righteous podcast for you this week for uh, quite a righteous band. Uh, talking about the band One and Man uh, here. Uh, talking about Kenny Pirog, uh, you might know from around town. He fronts that band, the guitar player. Uh, audio engineer uh, has played in many bands over over the years. He is uh, brother to Anthony Pirog, uh, noted jazz shred master. Um, you know, we we've been fans of One Man here for quite some time, and it's one of those things that just hasn't worked out. Maybe they didn't have a release. Maybe we just didn't work out for the show. For some reason, these people that we really want to talk to, we haven't had over. Even though we've had like scoops over here, um, but uh, finally, finally made it happen. Yeah. Kenny took time out of his busy schedule. I took time out of mine. We made it fucking happen because, r- really, like what what's more important than talking about maximum rock and roll? Because that is that's exactly what one a man delivers. Um, so what so what you got here for this podcast is us talking about. A little bit about the band, a little bit about his history, a little bit about DC. All the things I think you guys listening to this podcast love. Um, you hear it sort of stunned me. It was one of his answers here. Didn't know about a Nashville connection, but I uh, was pleased to find out about that. That's why I do these. So you learn something new. It's like every time we sit down with somebody here, it's a it's a, it's a learning experience for me. Even though I'm supposed to be the one like guiding this and. And conducting an interview, it's more like just getting to know people and getting to know what they do, and uh, and helping them spread the word, spread the gospel. And uh, the gospel of the one and man is something that should be spread mightily. So uh, they have it. They have a new album, a full length, their first full length coming out on six sixteen. The uh, release show is at the Black Cat on the same date, right here in DC. I hope I hope you make it at the show. Hopefully, I'm going to be at the show. And uh, that's that's all there is to it. It's pretty simple, pretty pretty pure, pretty uh, you know, just 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 like basic rock and roll. That's your podcast. We're talking with Kenny from One and Man. So here you go, episode number one hundred ninety one of Chunky Glasses, the podcast with uh, Kenny Pirog of One and Man. Let's get it. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next That right there is a wonderful sound. Yeah, two years. And it's Pirog now. That's yeah. straight from the, the horse's mouth. Uh, well, Kenny uh, Pirog, welcome to the That's basement. It. I think in the history of the podcast we've done, this has been the longest time coming. 
I yeah. Think I think we've been trying to get you we've on trying this to fucking do this for thing a while now. Yeah. For at least two years that I know <laughs> of. Uh, in fact, when Scoops is over here with uh, Typefighter, John Scoops, your bass player, sort of a Typefighter, he's like, man, have you talked to Kenny? I'm like, no, I've been trying to. Just... <laughs> uh, but these usually turn well, yeah, out the we're best. Here now. These, these turn out the best, so so no pressure. Cool. You know, Louis Weeks, it took like seven tries. Nice. So how about that? <laughs> Uh, you front the band, amongst other things that you do, Wanted Man here, yes, in, uh, based out here in Washington, D.C. You have a new album coming out. Is it just called Wanted Man? Yeah, just the Wanted Man Just LP. the Wanted Man. Yep, self-titled. Um, in your estimation, I, I know I know how I would describe it, but I want, I want to hear you describe what, what you guys do a little bit. Well, I mean, we are a rock and roll band, and the way I kind of, and history kind of sums that up is just a mixture of blues r&b and country i mean Mm -hmm. and you know it's those three have changed so much that when you blend them together it it just comes up with something a little different sounding so we take all that and put it together and when we started playing uh we only talked about being a rock and roll band we didn't come come with the sub genres and all that so it kind of gave us a certain amount of freedom as to what type of music to play because when we were writing, you know, it was just me playing the songs on acoustic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, we just kind of beefed them up rock and roll style. You started out as a trio or did you say... Uh... Yeah, it was uh, me, Rick. Well, we started out as a duo, actually. Oh. I moved into Paper House. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, which, is, which is now actually going to be right around the corner. I know. Here. Yeah. 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 We're going to be... Yeah. Are you are you still living there? Oh uh, no, I don't I don't uh, live there, but I I frequent the premises. Yes, yes. Know? We still practice there, but um I'd seen Rick play in Johnny Fantastic and mm-hmm. he was playing bass. I thought, man, with bass tone like that, like this guy's a pretty good musician. So when I moved into Paper House, I kinda wanted to start playing with him. And then magically one day I opened the door and he was just sitting on the <laughs> <laughs> Sitting did on the choir, front patio. Did the choir go off? Yeah. It was like, yeah. He was just there for, you know, reasons I probably shouldn't say in right. public. But um, yeah, at the time, I thought, man, this is like an angel sent from, a, yeah. from above, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, I'd been working on some demos, and I gave him a CD. And he was going to play bass, and there was another drummer who was going to come, and he ended up not coming. So... He started playing drums and he like knew all the songs, even though he learned them on bass. Yeah, he was like, "Let's just let's play that one, that first track." And then, right, right, right. Just started going, man. Yeah, and, and then who else do you get in DC except John Scoops to play on bass? Right, I but mean, he's actually the third bass player. Oh, yeah. Shit. It was uh, Johnny Fantastic at first. No shit. Yeah. Wow. So he did, for the first like six, eight months of shows, John was playing bass. Oh, wow. And then um, Andrew Grossman from North Country was playing bass for Are a while. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Damn. But, um, yeah, and then just Scoops came along. He's, he started coming out to a few shows and, <laughs> you know, scheduling and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he started and, and playing Johnny, with us. Yeah, and Johnny and Andrew got their own thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Too. Like, like yeah. Stronger Sex with Johnny and, mm-hmm. and North Country. I think they're doing a new album right now. Yeah. Finishing up. Totally. And I can't wait to hear that. I mean, I yeah. love... Anything either of them do is just amazing to me yeah it, it, it's actually you know we we talked about both of their albums last year uh, stronger sex has eps out mm-hmm. and it is just one of those things you hear it and you're like oh that's 
different, yeah. and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And why aren't more people doing stuff exactly. like that? And that's one of the things I learned from John is he doesn't um, put any walls up when it comes to making his art. Yeah. He just he does what he feels is necessary, and it comes out great. And it's the same with North Country, too. Yeah. I mean, their record, nothing. there's nothing to fear. Yeah, it's Love fucking, that. fucking amazing. Love now, it. I, I would argue, uh, not just your EPs, but this record uh, falls in that same category. Oh, thank you. You, you know, it, we're, we're in D.C., which is, is a town that is, uh, is famous for punk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's cool that you guys said, it, like, we're just going to be a rock and roll band. Mm-hmm. But there, there, is a, there is a pathway. Uh, this, you know, I, I lived in Richmond for a bunch of years, and there's a heavy, like, punk and hardcore yeah. scene. But there was also in the fringe of that the people that also just wanted to be in a rock and roll band yeah. that developed, like, but it went straight to rockabilly, mm-hmm. which is, a, which is a, yeah. a big component of this stuff. Oh, yeah. Which is something you don't hear a lot of uh, yeah. too much anymore, unless you're thinking of, like, an oldies act. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, but, but you guys seem there's a weird art that i haven't figured out how you guys do this i've seen you play a bunch i've seen you open for the fucking darkness which we're <laughs> yeah. talking about that was a highlight yeah and and it's it's a weird art of being uh like i i guess uh like sort of having a rock and roll attitude mm-hmm. and being inviting to a, a listener but also at the same time a little bit lascivious but not in like a Ooh, lascivious. Gr- you're gonna have to define yeah, that yeah. one for me. <laughs> but not, not 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 in a gross way. You know, it, uh-huh. it's it's something we don't. You know, a lot of rock and roll has been, uh, or at least indie rock has been like sanitized of this music that is is almost from the crotch. Mm-hmm. Is and to hear what you guys are doing, you know, there's uh, what was the song on the last one EP that showed it up on this? Well, it was. Uh, I'm gonna go out with the planet. No, it's not that one. Oh, it is. Um, Pardon me if I stare. Right. Yeah, which is you know d- done incorrectly. That is just not a song. <laughs> no. Twenty sixteen. No. But that that yeah, line that you guys walk up to, right. uh, you know, and and you hit it is is just old school like powerful like rock and roll making it what it was about. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the men, the women, you know, whatever. And this music is for that. Right. Is that, uh, when, when you're putting together writing stuff, is that what you're thinking about or? Um, maybe a little. I mean, I always, I, I was big on the history of recorded music for a, a long time. Yeah. Like, and I kind of like that search of like starting with, like we were talking about Cream. Yeah. And like Cream and Zeppelin and the Stones were just like the gateway yeah. to get deeper. And then, you know, then you find out about Chicago blues and then, Yes. Go even further to get Alan Lomax field recordings and right, right, like, right, right. You know, as far as you can go, but um, you know, to write it, it's just start like the feel of "Pardon Me If I Stare" is like the kind of chords I use, mm-hmm. like the nine chords, are like funk chords. Like, yeah, I was listening to a lot of funk when I wrote right, that song. Right, right, right. <laughs> and um, well, and that's the thing is that it, now it could translate to that. Yeah, you just exactly. change the instrumentation up a mm-hmm. little bit and the and the beat a little bit. And yeah. then, and then all of a sudden, it's a funk song. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just kind of sped it up a little bit. Stole the title from uh, Frankie Valley. <laughs> <laughs> no part in the way that I stay. Yep. And uh, I wrote like I like the lyrics on that song. Like it kind of sounds like it's um, about like meeting somebody at a bar. Kind of. Yeah. Was actually about death. Yeah. Really. Oh yeah. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. See, and I, and I, I, I think I wrote the track up, and I would never have guessed that. Yeah, like is it about like just a, a, a personal like death, or is it? About- uh, I was just kind of thinking about it a lot when I wrote it, I guess, and just kind of seeing it and facing it, being cool with it because you know it's gonna happen. Yeah, but um, yeah, the first line is, "I see you there in your long black veil." Yeah, also, this is a, the song's about just like kind of. Staring at it, right? right. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm staring at you, Death. But yeah, but but uh, I got. I know to. you. I know you're coming. Like this is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that one again. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> like also, I'm like, what do I say now? <laughs> um, you know, you uh, you guys have been a trio, uh, but also your brother uh, Anthony. Yes. Uh, steps into this band, Anthony Piro. Yes. Uh, now both of you are guitarists. Mm-hmm. Um. What have you learned from playing with him? If if you haven't heard Anthony's music, if you're listening, uh, uh, best way to describe it would be what from outer space. Outer space, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, you guys seem to be a pretty musical family. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, seeing you on stage when he does play with you, it's like you can see this bond, yeah, and stuff. Uh, what what do you draw like from playing with him? Because he's not on every song, and he's no. not the official member not, of the band, right? He's like the secret weapon guy, yeah. But, um, Came out for the darkness. Yeah. I guess the short answer is, like, what did he, like, impact on me musically? Yeah. Like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he he's seven years older than me, so when I started getting music and stuff, it was mainly through him. Like, mm-hmm. the first CD I got was Nirvana in Utero. Yeah. And I was listening to it all the time. I was, like, six years old. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, I was listening to it too. Like, he loved it too, obviously, but I was listening to it so much that he started giving me other stuff. And the first thing I think he played me was The Doors. Yeah. Like, the first another Doors gateway album. Band. Yeah, another gateway band. A big band. gateway band. Big gateway band. He was like, this stuff is cool. I, I was like, but it's old. He's like, yeah, but it's cool. <laughs> so then, um, you know, that's when he started putting on Zeppelin. And I didn't put me on The Stones as much. My dad did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other music in the house, like, we grew up, my dad had these mixtapes that he'd play in the car. Excellent. And that's, that's like, where I found out about Journeyman. Yeah. Like, the, what we were just talking about. Uh, the, I was Cla- like, the Clapton album? Yeah, the yeah, Clapton yeah, yeah. album, because he had, like, a contemporary <laughs> mixtape from, like, the 80s, with, like, the Miami Vice theme song and stuff. Heck, oh, yeah. my God. But the other Excellent. ones were, like, doo-wop, a lot of doo-wop. Yeah. And um, surf music. Like was was your was your dad or or your mom a musician or were they just music appreciators? My my dad was yeah. What did he play? He played bass. Oh, in a surf band back <laughs> nice. in the day. Yeah, Very called nice. the Epics. The Epics. The Epics. Out yeah. here or out in California? It was in uh, New Jersey. Oh shit! Yeah, nice. yeah. He grew up in That's New Jersey. That's prime, man. That, that was prime. That is, yeah. That is... I mean, the suits. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I know exactly the what whole you thing. Mean. Like, so so was he like playing still when you guys were growing up and like said, hey, did he put an instrument in your hands? Yes. Yes. The like the thing with Anthony is like he had two guitars from back in the day and it was like a sixty two Jaguar mm-hmm. and a sixty three bass six. I think for a while he's just kinda storing them and I wasn't around yet, but like he would say that Anthony would kinda sneak under his bed and pull the guitar out yeah. and like he'd come home and like, Hey, check it out, like learned how to play this. So he got a guitar and before too long 
we started, the three of us, Anthony, my dad, and me, would go to guitar stores <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. That's amazing. Guitar stores and tower was like... Play Stairway oh, to Heaven. Yeah. yeah. So he started setting up like <laughs> a uh, like a guitar room in the basement, which is still there. Yeah. And um, that was like our thing. We Anthony was getting better. He was practicing seven hours a day, uh-huh. like for... I think he still does, like Jeez. 25 years, you know? Holy fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I see that, and then I, I like, if I had just practiced even, like, three hours a day, I could yeah. never be that good. Mm-hmm. But well, it was, like, encouraging and discouraging to be around it at the same time. You yeah. Know? Like, like, man, I couldn't really get that good. Well, I mean, did, did, you, <laughs> did you ever, at a point, when you're, when you're thinking about this, playing and stuff, did you ever, like, say, oh, yeah, fuck this, and just, like, <laughs> go, go and do something else? Yeah, a little bit. That's ah. kind of why I started writing. Yeah. But, I mean... Um, I would look like look for different bands to kind of emulate to like kind of make my own. Like the first one was Metallica. Yeah. So like while well, he he was like learning jazz. Yeah. And I was like learning Master of Puppets. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, there are little things like that. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, this is, this is all good stuff to learn. Yeah. If, if you're oh if, yeah, you know if you uh, even if you don't like have a good teacher, uh, but you have access to an instrument, just mm-hmm. sitting down and being like, hey, I love Master of Puppets. Yep. Or I love Sunshine on Your Love. Yep. And look, you'll get your ass kicked in a fucking guitar center if you go in and play Sunshine on Your yes. Love. Like, real quick. Uh-huh. But every person that's in there and the person who's beating your ass did the exact same thing. Yep. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, having that access is, is just a, uh, a lucky opportunity for anybody that has it, I think. Mm-hmm. And then if you have it in your family, then, like... Booyah. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm actually getting, I'm getting a piano down here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and it's going to go in the corner, and it was, and I was back and forth on it. My family isn't very musical. They, they well, they appreciated music, then they encouraged music in me. Mm-hmm. But, like, we had, the eight-track tapes we had were, like, Muskrat Love. Right. Like, shit like yeah. that. But they said, we have this piano, and we used to have this cool old organ. It's, not, it's no longer in this world, I think, but... Uh, this piano was like the first thing I played. And I was at five years old, yeah. and and I was sitting there thinking, and I don't, I, I don't like collecting shit. I, I don't like having <laughs> yeah. a bunch of shit. Like Me it's neither. just unless you, it's like takes up a little space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless that's why you know, like I, I I don't have like physical books anymore. I don't. Right. I just I'm all. But I started thinking about it, and she's moving, and she's like, "Do you want it?" And I was like, well, "I don't know." And then I went down there. It's like. Fuck, I do want it. Yeah, sitting down at a piano is nice. Sitting down at a piano is nice. And also sitting down, you know, uh, my lady used to play and knowing people who play and just having, again, I mean, you can see we've got instruments all around here, but just Mm -hmm. having that shit like available to people, even if if they don't play. Mm -hmm. Like the best thing, the best fun you can have is like there's a drum kit behind you. It's having somebody be like, I don't play drums. Like sit down. Yeah. Exactly. Nobody gives a fuck right now. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck. Just yeah, sit down just do and do it. it. Have and fun. if you like it, you might end up practicing seven hours. Yeah. Um, do you do any writing besides uh, songwriting? Um, I keep a journal. Keep a journal? Yeah. And I, but I mostly keep that private, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you, are you, in your songs, are you trying to, I guess, work towards a form like a the you know this is the song thing, or are you being a more confessional thing or telling stories? Like, what's your what's your main um, focus? Well, I learned how to write in Nashville. Oh, so um, they were kind of big on like. What were you doing there? I was getting a degree in audio. Oh yeah, yeah. So I wanted to learn how to record basically. So I yeah, figured I'd go to school for it, but. 
they had a songwriting class available that I had never written a song before. Right. And like, I got an email like two weeks before the class started that said, don't come to class without a song. Uh-huh. And I was nervous. Yeah. So I like, I showed up with a Jack and Coke, like in a 20 ounce <laughs> bottle. I was like, man, I got to perform. Like, I've never done this. I've never sang. I've never done anything. So I came and I didn't, I didn't even get my turn that day. So I just like left class drunk. Right. But yeah, when I got over that, I had a few songwriting mentors and they just put me on a few things that I always try to keep in mind when writing anything on a song. Mm-hmm. And the big one that they showed me was a song having a beginning, middle, and an end. Pretty yeah. much, you know, like <laughs> this dude was funny. His name was Hal Newman. He wrote a bunch of like George Strait songs yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It's like like a Nashville like music row guy. Yeah. And he said, Now Kenny, nobody wants to sit around listening to you bitch about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but then did you but did you look at me like but country music, what? Yeah, I mean, a little bit, but he, no, but he's like, but there's more to it than just, like, complaining. Yeah. I mean, some of it is, but he's like, you want to start it off, you want to introduce it, have it be conversational, or have it be a story, but wrap it up at the end of it, and always try to have, he'd call it an elbow moment, which is like, uh, somebody hears a lyric and, like, nudges you and says, do you hear that? Do you hear that line? Yeah. Like, like, I'm still trying to come up with those, but... That you, got was, a, you got a few of them. Yeah, you know, I try. Yeah, you got a few of them. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you know, even in the song titles, I'm going to go out with the planet. That's fucking... That's a heavy That's a heavy hook. <laughs> yeah. That's, fucking that's a heavy good. song. That's fucking good. Yeah. We're um, going for heavy on that one. How many... So so how long were you in Nashville? Uh, like four years. Four, four years? Yeah. Just regular, like, undergrad there? Mm-hmm. Um, how many songs did you write where you were there? Oof. I don't know. Did it? Complete ones that I like actually shared. Eh, let's go, let's go with eighty percent. Eighty percent, like let's say about like a two or three dozen, maybe. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, were you doing it for anybody? Like, was anybody like buying your songs, or was it just no? The, no? no, it was mo- mostly for school and because um, I mean, if you're in with that guy, like and he yeah. knows you, then I mean that that that's right. a leg up for most people because exactly. people go to Nashville like every day. Yeah, to literally sit down and write mm-hmm. and if yeah. if people don't know what that is i don't know if it still is but it used to be you sit in a room sometimes you have a partner mm-hmm. and at a desk and that's your job yeah yeah i know and i met a lot of those people yeah. too we'd go that's college what... field trips to the pros and stuff yeah right? yeah. yeah um i mean that's the way that's the way uh like uh pop used to be the Bang Factory, yeah. oh, those yeah. fucking like Neil Diamond, Paul Alley. Simon, all those yeah. guys sat up in an office. Lieber and Stoller, <coughs> my <coughs> personal favorites. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I can really see myself doing that. I wanted no. to play the music, and they they stressed that you couldn't, like, if you had that job, like, you weren't going to play anything. Have they seen the television show Nashville? <laughs> because this was before that. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think there's some truth to that that like, yeah. you can break out. No, yeah, yeah you, but yeah. But, oh, you know, I mean, yeah, it happens. But they that's like they were like keep your expectations in line. Like if you want to write songs, like a don't write songs, write hit songs. Right. You know what I mean. Right. And like B, don't expect to sing them. Damn. So like, I wanted it to. Have like a touch of personal songwriting and yeah. be able to play them. So I didn't really like pursue that route. And I was there for audio anyway. The songwriting was just kind of 
to break down some personal barriers. Sure, you know? sure, but, sure. I mean, it's it's uh, stuff like that can. If you're focused on like what you want to do creatively, it's mm-hmm. always good to reach out in a different mode that you know you can maybe do that. Yeah. Maybe you're not good at it. Yeah. You know, but you know you got it in your pocket. Like, well, if I really had to, yeah, I had to branch it off on this. Um, yeah, and he would give me a hard time too because I'd like <laughs> I'd try to write it like a country, yeah, song and stuff, and I'd like even sing it with an accent and stuff. <laughs> and he had to tell the whole class like, now. Sing the songs in your own dialect. If you don't have a southern accent, don't try to sing with one. <laughs> oh, man, that can be so effective, though. Yeah, I know. Touching the, oh, southern, know. the southern accent yeah. is a unique oh, yeah, it's and, beautiful. Uh, and lovely thing. Yeah. Um, so when you left there, did you move back to D.C.? Uh, kind of, yeah. Kind of? I joined another band called the Danvilles. Okay. Um, we just kind of bummed around for like two years before I decided to do anything. Right. Um, that guy... So this is Anthony's friend from like high school. Yeah. He ended up being in the bravery. Oh. The, yeah. So um I don't know how he had time to like form a new band, but I played bass and he played guitar and another like childhood friend of theirs played drums and we we just kind of bummed around playing shows for like two years. Damn. A couple West Coast tours, we were like the masters of finding free houses to crash yeah. in. And like, yeah. That's just what we did for a while. Wow. I mean, that's a good way to spend your post-grad. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, before that, I had a good internship at a studio. Do you know Mike Rayna? Name from sounds the, familiar. From the Jackfields? Uh, name sounds really familiar, yeah. He he recorded all, all Anthony's and Janelle and Anthony's oh, album. Oh, okay. okay. He's got a great studio called The Brink in Centerville. And... um him and Anthony were in a band with Jimmy Chamberlain from the Pumpkins. Yep. So I got an internship being like assistant engineer. Right. To the guy who produced all of Queen's albums, Roy Thomas <laughs> Baker. And like, I was like his assistant. Yeah. I didn't, he didn't, I didn't do much audio. I was mainly making tea. And, yeah, 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 but still. But it, it was great. He absorbed that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, you, it sounds like you, you sort of had a... Almost uh, a Gumpian existence, like working in and out of this thing, you know. Kind of, yeah. You know, we, we've like we've mentioned, <laughs> uh, which is, and that's not discounting your work at all. No, no, no. I know. Uh, but you know, it, it, because uh, you know, everyday people don't necessarily get to get in that opportunity where you can mm-hmm. just sitting with somebody like that. He might throw off something that's like whatever, and you're like, yeah. oh, that's the key to yeah. this whole fucking thing. There are a thing. lot of those. Um, and uh, the most recent we, we mentioned it, uh, keep mentioning it was the darkness. Right um, now, that actually happened. Uh, I believe, like, what the the opening band couldn't make it. I mean, this is like a weird. Yeah, they dropped out of the tour. Dropped out of the tour yeah, for whatever. And then, no and then you guys it. just got the call and said, hey, "You want to open for the darkness?" Yeah, we got the call the day before. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I I talked to Scoops after that gig. Out in the audience. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I shot the gig, and, and so I was up front, and I could see you guys. And it, I've seen you guys at, like, DC9. I've seen you guys at Rock and Roll Hotel. I've seen you guys at a fucking house. Uh-huh. <laughs> you guys stepped up to that fucking stage <laughs> like you, like, were trying to blow the darkness off the stage. <laughs> and, like, you might could blow the darkness well, off the stage. No. I mean, what other choice did we have? I know, you know but, right? but it, it was amazing because it was such a, it was such a beautiful fit for what yeah. they do and what you you guys do. I mean, people don't give 
again, like the type of songs necessarily that these are, they don't give just rock and roll a, a lot of credit sometimes. Yeah, like, especially oh. now. Yeah, especially now. They're like, oh, that just wasn't deep enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, that wasn't. A, and then they forget what it's for. Yeah. And the Darkness have not forgotten what no, it's for. No, they have not forgotten that at all. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, and so it was just amazing to see you guys sit there and see people who who had no fucking idea who you were. Yeah. Just their jaws drop. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you can see, like, that front row, but there are people that have been there for, like, an hour and a half waiting, and then yeah, you guys come out, and they're just like, fuck. Well, there was one guy I noticed at the, at the show. Yeah. And this is, like, the main, like, one of the top things I like about playing shows is, like, we walked on stage... And this guy who's like kind of near the front goes, "You guys better not suck." <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So like I kind of looked at him, like took note of where he was and stuff, yeah. and I was like, "Let me see what he's like at the end of the show." And he was like going crazy at the end of it because yeah. you know you got to end with the Anthony guitar solo. Yeah. So we flipped him, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Absolutely did. I lo- I like that. Well, I like to flip them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys seem to like you played last night. Like you guys seem to be an instant, like you come on stage and people are just react to it like very viscerally. Like, I know, you know, uh, Sarah Curtin. Oh yeah. But yeah. And, but she was like, when she was down here, she was talking uh, off mic how, how big a fan she was of you guys. Really? Yeah. Because of exactly oh, just awesome. what you do. She's just like, we love you, Sarah. She's like, I'm so into that. What's. <laughs> <laughs> They're so amazing, and it, it is. It is uh, again back to that lost art of just just making fucking rock, yeah, and and not apologizing for it at no. all. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of go up there and do it, you know, like yeah, because like well, I was talking about how we didn't like pick a subgenre or anything. Yeah, it kind of goes with the live thing too. We just like don't think about it. Yeah, like just play. Like we're there to play music, so. That's what we do. And I get nervous as shit before the shows, but, but like once we start playing, like it's all good. Yeah. Like just focused on playing. Do you, uh, you know, because if you see, generally you have like a, a nice big hat on. I mean, you, oh, got, yeah, you yeah. guys are playing the part. I mean, is, is this something you slip into that's maybe uh, like a, a different version of you on stage? A little or? bit, yeah. That's kind of why I chose that name. And it kind of opens up the possibility to write like from a different perspective yeah. and like put put an album cover like that out yeah like yeah, yeah the, al- the album cover is, is a like, burning dollar bill yeah well yeah we got some uh not everybody digs that but well <laughs> you know it's kind of it's got blood on it and stuff like, uh, again yeah. fucking rock and roll yeah i mean this is the rock and roll is never uh, a music that uh or at least it wasn't until you know I don't know, maybe late 80s, mm-hmm. started getting that way, that was necessarily safe. In fact, it was the most dangerous thing in the yeah. world, like, mm-hmm. when it started coming out. Yeah. You know, Alan Freed up in fucking Cleveland, like, just yeah. destroyed for playing rock and roll. Yeah. Game. Waist up. Huh? Gotta yep. shoot him yep. from the waist yep. up. Exactly. Like, um, it's too dangerous. How, uh, you know... So, so we're in DC, and uh, you are a—I uh, would most people would say actually—a vital part of the scene here. Oh, thank you. Because you are—you run sound. I've seen you run sound for shows. Mm-hmm. I've seen you uh, do all kinds of things, helping out people with recording stuff. Mm-hmm. How? Uh, what do you see as like your place in this scene? That is uh, honestly, it's ridiculously vibrant. Like, yeah, music it's scene. amazing right now. 
Like it, everything from like rock to jazz to hip hop to fucking just straight blues to yeah, this, like it's everything, everything right now. Um, but you, uh, my role in all of it, yeah, what you're asking, yeah. I just hope a lot of people like know that I'm supporting what they're doing as as well. Like, like if I'm running sound, I want somebody's show to sound the best it can sound. Like, I play a company and a couple bands of uh, and Dave Klinger's band, Forgetter. Uh huh. And I want him to like have the solid bass playing so that he can do his thing. And I, I'm just like really trying to help. Yeah. If I'm there and supposed to be helping, then I want to do the best I can with it, you know? It, so, I mean, that's basically what I'm doing. Are you helping? I mean, you mentioned Paper House and stuff, and they aren't doing so many shows now, but Alex has, has definitely moved on to the uh, DCDIT. Yep. Uh, you know, thing in, in helping expand this stuff, like how involved yeah. are you are in like putting together some of those shows? Um, I putting together the shows, not as much, it just, but when I moved in there, I did set up a recording device Yeah, that, um, I, 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 I've always had something I could record with. So like when I moved in, I was like, I'm going to record all the shows and like, and I ended up like setting it up and I wasn't always there because you know life yeah but um we started recording all the shows and there's like a huge archive of them that so what's going to we'll happen put- with them I've I've I mean, heard, I've heard tell them. of this archive we have them I mean man uh, <clears throat> I was working on them and then somebody stole my computer oh Jesus but, like Christ. I had them all like you know we're not exactly sure yet they're going to be available yeah the the idea to start off with was going to be kind of like not a podcast like this where mm-hmm. we'd be talking, but like we'd have them like kind of on loop. Yeah. And at any given time, you could just kind of check out a show because, yeah. you know, some of the bands that played there were like kind of big bands. Like, so we can't just like put the Here We Go Magic show on right. iTunes and stuff. Right. But like, we've got that, like, we've got that recorded. You've got it recorded. We've got like, man, I think there's yeah, like that, 50 bands. That, that gets into the, the tapers dilemma. And we've actually run into that. You know, we're, uh, a bunch of us are like older school, like deadheads. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, in Richmond, I, I knew all the tapers. And so if you look in the live music archive, uh, a lot of those like dead shows, definitely a lot of the fish shows, but anything in that space and roots and stuff was taped by a lot of those guys. Yeah. People uh, don't, I, I don't know if they don't know about how much this part of the country is like central. Like it, everything just flows through there. Right. Through here, so somewhere around here, whether it's outside here, outside Richmond, or maybe even in North Carolina, you're gonna get everybody coming through. Yeah, I mean that's one of the beauties of DC mm-hmm. is you know talk about Austin City Limits, go see all those bands. I'm like, I, I don't know why I would do that because every fucking band comes here. <laughs> yeah, every single band on the planet yeah, exactly. comes here. But uh, but uh, yeah, I I think that live music archive there's there's a huge value in that and we uh we actually explored that so maybe this is this is information for you guys to use in doing this and right. uh we talked to Father John Misty's manager and this is before he got big mm-hmm. and uh, played the rock and roll hotel and so we set up at the back of the soundboard and had a matrix yep. which for those who don't know it's basically you're supplanting the uh, the soundboard feed, which generally doesn't get the audience mm-hmm. with mics to pick up the audience, mm-hmm. and you can balance out. Yep. And a good matrix is fucking yep. f- spectacular. Yep. Like, look at the Betty boards mm-hmm. like, for the for the Grateful Dead. Yeah, I got a lot of bootlegs just off Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we got the okay from the manager, and we got the okay from uh, from Josh Tillman himself. Mm-hmm. 
And just for shits and giggles and to be nice, we were going to put it up. It was going to be a podcast. And I emailed uh, Sub Pop and the rep out there. And they immediately, like, jumped down our throats. Like, uh, what yeah. the fuck are you yeah, doing? Like, exactly. And it was just like, and to this day, like, we still have it. It's an amazing show. They're mm-hmm. never going to put it out. They have it, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, we sent it to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... I guess my point is, is that you have all these, and it is such. It can be such, uh, to my mind, an educational yeah. tool mm-hmm. uh, for honestly for people who maybe don't have the money to buy albums. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of get. We kind of wanted to give a little glimpse of what it, you know would be like to be there. I guess because yeah. like you know a house show, especially when it's crowded and packed, is yeah. like. Kind of special. Especially when like, paper house was kind of yeah. that was sort of ridiculous. It, yeah, it was wild. I couldn't believe I was living there. It was, but you it, know, it's like every night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they've calmed down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you know. But then, uh, do you ever go to uh, Above the Bayou? Yeah, a few times. Quinn's yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Quinn. That, that was uh, that. That to me was the the next generation of. Yeah, of, definitely. You know, it was. Uh, it that was, was a great spot too. It was as tight as Alex and you guys ran it. it you know, it did get a little, like I said, a little. Out of control because everybody yeah. knew about it. Like once Bob showed up, yeah, it was like, <clears throat> well, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, but yeah, having those, uh, I'd, I'd really like to see you guys get those out. Yeah, I would too. Because and, um, you can, not just as a, a document of what's going on, what happened in this time, but mm-hmm. again, people just want to hear that shit. Yeah. Hey, if you got any ideas of like release strategy, you know we're all ears. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I do, uh, but uh, we'll talk about them off mic. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so, but yeah, so all that recording gear now is um, basically turned into a studio, and Rick from Wanted Man is doing a lot of recordings with bands and uh, trying to stand at producing, and they always come out great. Yeah, I mean, like, so like instead of a show now, it's just like a band playing in the living room, no audience, right? Making a record. Yeah, and uh, that's how the next. That's all paper, you need. Yeah, I mean that's how the next Paper House album's getting made. Just in that in that room. Yeah, it sounds awesome too. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> all, all the tape. Ah, uh, no tape. I don't think so. No tape. No, uh, the tape is. Um, Do you love, like tape? I love tape. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Just sounds good, man. Like the first like records I remember here and always started with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you just get a punch. That you just can't get digitally. It's got that three-dimensional thing that, like, you know, right. making an imprint on something. Right. You know, instead of just ones and zeros and stuff. Do you, do you think it works better for, uh, say, the type of music that you make than uh, other types of music, or just... Um, I don't know if it's types of music as much as, like... I think it works best for recording live. Like, when you have a room, like a band playing yeah. together, definitely. Um, overdubs and stuff... You could do those digitally, you know, because yeah. that's a lot of rewinding. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so a little, little hybrid action. Being 2016 and all, we don't have so, as much patience for that. Uh, <laughs> this album is coming out when? 16th? 16th, yeah. 16th? Mm-hmm. You got a release show for that. What is yes, uh, what? What is your dream for this album? That, now that you've climbed the mountain <laughs> uh, and reached Valhalla with the uh, darkness, like, right. where else is there to go um, well, I just hope people listen to it and enjoy it, and it'll be on all the outlets, you know, iTunes and Spotify and all that. Good. But, um, 
we, we were gonna yeah. have words if it was not. Yeah, yeah, no. Because this is it's on all there. Well, because yeah. I, and, and I'm sure you know people like this that are just like, well, fuck this. I'm not putting it on streaming. I'm not doing this. Yeah, not, and it's just like I had that attitude for a while too. Right. Like the what EP changed? Would put, just I mean, why not? Yeah. Like it costs like forty five bucks to put it everywhere. Yep. I mean, kind of take the internet for granted, but it really is amazing. But it it, it, can, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's like the it's like the uh, Louis C.K. skit about like everything's magic. Yeah, yeah, but it because of the internet, you have an unlimited in in uh, scale distribution mm-hmm. system that yeah. simply did not exist. Yeah, it just didn't happen. Like I mean, uh, when we're talking about that Tom Petty documentary and like yeah. how yeah. like they had to go to L.A. You know, yeah. they, like had to drive yep. across the country and everything. They like, actually did, and they did, yeah, because yeah, they had to. Yeah, I mean, now it's just like, and also on the wants internet. to live in Florida. I mean, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No offense especially where they in Gainesville or something. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No offense to Gainesville, right? Um, but, <laughs> you know, but but yeah, you can. Uh, nowadays, it is just. Mm-hmm. I, I think it it potentially can. I mean, look, it's a mess right now. We we know this. Like yeah. people getting paid, they that is not like in in dispute here like right. shit needs to get fixed yeah but in the meantime uh you still uh you put it on spotify this album mm-hmm. potentially 91 million people can hear it potentially yes yeah back back when i was a kid mm-hmm. that that wasn't even, you couldn't even have imagined that yeah i know like i have to go to new york i have to go to yep. la i have to do this and we have to spend millions of dollars on a yeah. marketing campaign and it's just uh and that that is uh eternally fascinating to me as as, yeah. a, as a guy who's a little older and I've seen mm-hmm. you know i was programming an atari 800 back yeah. in the day yeah, I noticed that says at the bottom of your email. Yeah, that's why. That's why. The my my uh, iPad says Atari fifty two hundred. Nice. Oh, yeah. Which was an excellent game yes. system. Um so you just want people like to hear it. Are you guys gonna go out on tour for it or um we don't really have any tour plans, no. Um You think that's necessary in these times? Yeah, I think it's necessary, but um, you know, we're just kind of self managed right now and the capabilities of a touring I could like that I could book personally. Yeah. It just, <laughs> yeah. I just want to be that, you know. I mean, I just don't. Eh. I you know, people can book. I I was talking with Marilyn McLaughlin about this actually. Uh-huh. You know, because uh, do do you consider yourself more the DIY vein of stuff? Or and that's definitely our roots. Yeah, definitely yeah. the roots. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that uh, in DIY stuff, a lot of it never, a lot of people never look at it as it doesn't have to be just like the music you're making yeah. it, it, it is uh you know every this is creative this is just as valid as like what you do which is like my lady makes policy to like make sure kids get a fucking education right it's just a, all this stuff is creative stuff and it tends to get walled off not just by musicians by everybody they're like well my thing is the thing that's important yeah. but i think what i told marion was if you she was really torn up about uh, having to book a tour because it sucks. Like it, it just oh, yeah. it fucking Booking sucks. Booking tours sucks. <laughs> and and she's like, this is almost becoming not fun for me anymore. And uh, and I was just like, well, look at it this way: you might know somebody, maybe somebody who lives with you, the Holy Underground, like mm-hmm. who really likes that type of shit. 
Like, yeah. you know what they, you know what their jam is? Fucking accounting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're all, uh, as a peer group and as friends operating on the same level, like, yeah, sure. I'll help you out. Mm-hmm. And, stuff. and like, that's just how shit gets done. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, I recommend that to everybody. To yeah, like look I, do, into. I do as well. It's just like, man, emailing with strangers is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't, because I mean, it moves so fast. So like, if I don't catch it right, yeah, right when it gets sent to me, it's like gone. Like it's like a thing of the past, you know. Yeah. Like, so I mean, like my kind of thing with touring is like when we played that darkness show. Is like, yeah, look if they want guys if they want us to finish the tour with them, we're going. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, like so like we've done like out of town shows mm-hmm. have all been one offs and stuff. Like we've never gone out for like weeks and stuff, and. uh but yeah, it'd have to be like, I mean, just a good opportunity, you know. I, I know a good opportunity when I see it. Yeah. And when, if and when one is presented, we'll take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, just, you know, driving out through the Midwest to play shows that I booked myself, like, <laughs> it's, mm, mm. Past a certain age, it just isn't fun. Yeah. And I mean, we did that in the Danvilles and we had great times like there's no doubt about that but like i i gotta think about like the results you know what i mean like we did two years of touring doing shows like that and the results were we were broke (laughs) yeah um well there's it's also now and and i think the reason people did tours like that is to like feel this out Mm-hmm. Like to feel out your market. Yeah. And the idea that if you go and then you go back and there's more people, then, then this is how you do the tour. Yeah. Now I don't think you have to go out. Yeah. I mean, look, I would love to. I love, I'll play as many shows as I can. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, life. Like, yeah. how am I going to pay rent if I'm like, yeah. You know, just getting like 40 bucks a show or whatever to fill up the tank to the next one, you know? You're not. No. So, I mean, yeah, we're all adults. You know what I mean. So, yeah. good opportunities. I will take them, but I don't want to end up in the poorhouse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um, so the release show is the 16th at the Black Cat. Yes, sir. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is playing? Uh, we got Unconscious Disturbance from New York. All right. Awesome, and uh, Baby Bride is doing a solo set. No shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Which um, you know, we started playing. Around the same time, mm-hmm. we were just kind of like buds, man. And I just think, I just think he's great. Yeah, I, he lo- is. I love his songs. Yeah, yeah, he's great. The band's great. And we actually, uh, me and Rick recorded his uh, EP. That's oh no shit on the on the band camp. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. where'd you record it? Paper House. <laughs> <laughs> the Nexus. Yeah, that was like I, the first little step in like making. Like recordings. Sean, Sean uh, Barna and me are friends, and he's oh, yeah. a, he is over here. He's, he's going to be living at the paper house. He's talking about having, you know, we've been, we've been in Brookland here for uh, three years. Stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of neighborhood than Petworth yeah. for yep. sure. And I was like, well, good luck in the first show, man. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I don't mean that like in any like pejorative fashion. Yep. I'm like, good. And I believe good I luck. said the same thing. Yeah, but uh, you know, regardless, they can. Uh, Still record stuff there. Yeah. And the house, like, when you walk in, it's, like, way more set up for, like, a studio situation than a house show. Because it's, like, like a hallway and then two big living rooms on either side. And, like, I don't know what they're going to do with shows. 
but I know they'll just be start just start recording, recording every fucking great album that comes out of DC. Yeah. I mean that that is a thing. I, too, I know so. that's what uh, Rick wants to do. Yeah. Rick is getting super into recording. I play in his band too, Jow Ocean. That's uh-huh. really good. Nice. It's me, him, and uh, Adam Orlando. You know him? I do not. He's a uh, you know Red Gold Green though, right? I do know that Red he Gold Green. He plays drums with Red Gold Green. Oh shit! Yeah. So it's like me and him in rhythm section, Rick songs. It's Hell awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for coming down. Uh, Thank you for having don't me. Don't make it three years again. No, come, come, come no. back soon. I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, come back and, and next time bring scoops with you. Like usually, yeah. you see, you missed out on on what the the usual experience is is where it's like a weekend and we're fucking got food and we got yeah. beer and it's just like, but it's cool. Yeah, let's have one of those. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that. Cool. Don't even need to record it. Right. Just hang out. <laughs> I'm down. All right, thanks a lot, Kevin. All right, brother Kevin. Thanks again to Kenny for uh, coming down, uh, doing all he does in the music scene here, and uh, in general, just taking care of fucking business. Um, I I have heard the One Man album, and uh, there's there's some old tracks, there's some new tracks. They've all been given a nice new sheen, and it sounds fucking fantastic. Uh, it is going to be a treat for your ears, uh, and uh, easily one of the best things coming out of this town this year. If I do say so myself, um, like I said, you can see uh, Kenny and the rest of One in Man, the Black Cat, on the 16th of June uh, here. That is up on 14th Street. You can go to their Bandcamp page. We're going to have all the links in the show notes and whatnot. And, uh, you know, support your local scene. Support your local bands. Not just him. Everybody else. All you, you talked about a bunch of bands in this podcast. Get out and see them, too. Uh, for example, Baby Bri Bri is playing a solo set open for this for the show and uh that's gonna be amazing and uh yeah so this is this is what's going down in 2016 people uh the the ascent of wanted man um before we get out of here uh you know we usually play a track uh for you to for you dig on and whatnot and i think i think this time we're gonna play a track uh the guy we just talked with one a man. Uh, I don't know if we. I know we've done tracking on this before on the site, but I don't know if we played it on the podcast. So, uh, since we were talking about the track, pardon me if I stare. I think I think we're just gonna play that. So here you go, off of uh, One a Man's new LP coming down the pipe. Uh, this is pardon me if I stare.
Pardon me if I stare not about what I thought it was about. Uh, in fact, a genius fucking song. That rocks, right? You felt that. I know you did. Um, like I said, you can you can find them on Bandcamp, find them on Facebook, Twitter, find them at the Black Cat in the 16th. Please, people, get out and uh, support these guys because they're amazing. And uh, thanks again to uh, Kenny. That is our podcast uh, for this uh, this Monday, kicking off things. Uh, as usual, you can, can subscribe to us in iTunes if you like what we're doing. You can listen to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud. Um, who knows where we'll be next. Whatever the next platform is, we'll be on it. Um, got a bunch of good shit coming up in the next few weeks. 
Robert Ellis interview, like I was saying, we're going to be talking about the White Lung album. Going to be talking about Diarrhea Planet album. That album is sort of insane. Um, going to be talking about the Avers album a little later on. I just finally heard it. The new Avers album it comes out in July. It's fucking amazing. I'm saying fuck a lot in this podcast because fucking rock and roll. Um, yeah, so. So, as usual, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. See you later. <laughs> 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 You're no be.